Do you know that over 60,000 people living in Moldova are affected by frozen conflicts? That while there is no violence, frozen conflicts continue to impact their lives in other ways? But what are the risk factors for frozen conflicts? And how can multilateral trade help? Tune in as we continue our discussion on frozen conflicts in the context of Moldova in this episode of Trade for Peace. Welcome to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. I am Axel Addy, former chief negotiator of Liberia's accession to the WTO and founding member of the Trade for Peace program. Trade for Peace is a 30-minute podcast in conversation with Trade for Peace champions, the global policymakers, entrepreneurs, and innovators committed to promoting trade as a key ingredient for lasting peace. Join us in our bi-monthly podcast as we discuss how trade is contributing to sustainable peace in fragile and conflict-affected countries. Welcome to Trade for Peace. Welcome to episode two of the Trade for Peace podcast, second season, Trade, Peace, and Security in Eurasia. This episode discusses the topic of peace and security in the region, especially in the current global political context. Our discussions today will explore the factors at risk for maintaining peace and security for countries in Eurasia, particularly in our contemporary political landscape, the role of the multilateral trading system and trade in general in preserving peace, and where do we go from here to really keep up the promises of international peace and security with multilateralism at heart. These questions and more remain critical for everyone around the world. Today, we have with us Ambassador Tudor Ulyanovsky to offer his views on these questions as the former Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Moldova and the former permanent representative of Moldova to the World Trade Organization. Tudor, welcome to Trade for Peace. Good morning, Axel. It's good to be with you and with everybody from WTO and global trade community. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And today, Tudor, you've had, you know, we want to hear a little bit more about your career path. You've had a stellar career in diplomacy, peace and security, representing Moldova in many international organizations. Tell us, what is your story? So how many days we have for that? I'm joking, of course. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me. I appreciate that. And while I don't like to talk about myself, but actually I'm so passionate about trade, peace and security. So everything uh, basically in my situation started when I was writing my master's thesis on legal political settlement of protracted conflicts in the world and with a particular focus on so-called frozen conflicts in Eurasia. So at that time, I was studying actually on my law degree, on my LLM, and uh, my coordinator of the thesis, an esteemed professor in, in Moldova, he was very angry with me because I was focusing more on the political rather than legal aspects of the conflicts or the way the conflicts affect the peace and security, but also trade relations between the people from the country with the regions that were let's call them a breakaway or, or involved in, in a similar conflict. So at that time, I said to myself that, well, you know, there are so many norms, legal norms, which is very important to be aware of. But at the same time, you have to be fully aware of the political context. And not only within 
a given country, but from the regional perspective as well. And Eurasia is that example where a regional political context is playing a, and has played a crucial role in domestic politics, unfortunately. And that is why I think it's very important to focus on that. So in my third year of, of university, I had a very, very big, big discussion with my coordinator of the thesis. And uh, since then, I decided to focus on international politics, diplomacy and trade relations, because I knew at that time that it is extremely important to make sure not only to have a rules-based system, which is very important, but at the same time is to generate and create the necessary political will in the country and to get the international support in order to resolve an issue or to lead a cause, a WTO or a UN and so forth. Thank you, Tudor. And you have excelled as the chief ambassador, as the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Moldova. And so you've been on the front line of many of the negotiations. Based on your observations, what do you see are the challenges and risk factors in preserving the peace and security in the Eurasia region, given the current reality? Well, exactly. When we speak about the ministerial position, it represents the country position. So from that perspective, Axel, it is particularly challenging to be able to safely and sustainably developing your country and protecting your national interests. Because the question arises with regards to the uh, geography and geopolitics and geoeconomics. So Eurasia and Moldova is, let's call it, between the CIS and European Union. Our main foreign policy objective is to join the European Union. And we have signed the association agreement with the European Union and the deep and comprehensive free trade agreement and the visa liberalization agreement. And our position is that these agreements are not or should not be excluding the trade cooperation with our partners from the East and particularly the Russian Federation. From that point of view, this is our view, but which has to be based or founded on certain principles. And for Moldova, when Moldova became member of WTO, the idea was that we are entering a club or a group of countries, a global community that has rules and regulations when it comes to ensuring fair trade, access to resources, being involved in the global value chains, negotiating very important agreements as trade facilitation, government procurement, and others, and to try to avoid practices that are protective in nation, in, in essence, or discriminatory. So from that perspective, Axel, the discussions that particularly I was involved with when negotiating or talking with, with other ministers, colleagues from, uh, from CIS, from Southeastern Europe, these questions were arising very often. And unfortunately, we have seen cases when economic or commercial tools were used as instrument of political leverage. And this is something that smaller countries and developing countries are actually facing today. And I think that the only solution is to make sure that everybody respects the rules and regulations and particularly the, the trade rules. And we have issues that are concerning us. In our case, we have the protracted conflict on our territory with foreign military troops and munitions that are stationing on our country. But at the same time, 
we need to establish people-to-people contact. We need to focus on the human rights and focus on the SMEs, business communities in these regions. While also on the larger scale, we need to make sure the system works for everybody. The question is, what do you do when the system is misused or abused or misinterpreted more recently? This is the question which has to be resolved, in my opinion, at the multilateral level, or at least at the plurilateral level. Because when you have countries that are different in size and in economic power, political power, it's very important that the smaller members are also protected by the rules. And we need to have the vast majority of members to support that. A very similar situation occurred in 2018, when uh, in my capacity as the Minister of Foreign Affairs, I initiated a resolution at the United Nations uh, with regards to the withdrawal of foreign troops from my country. And at that time, people said that's that's mission impossible. And you should ask uh, Tom Cruise to write another movie. And at the same time, we started talking with our partners within the UN, within the WTO, and we managed to receive the the majority. To address your question particularly, we, Moldova particularly, Ukraine, Georgia, Central Asian countries, are in a very volatile geopolitical environment, where particularly today we see negative scenarios being applied. We understand that this is a part of the bigger game, It is very important that the interests of sovereignty and territorial integrity and trade independency be secured when negotiations are having place. And we can only hope that the rules will be upkept and maintained in the most transparent and non-discriminatory measures. Thank you, Tudor. And Moldova officially joined the WTO in July of 2001. What is your observation? Have you seen the role of that accession and your membership uh, impacting how Moldova attacked uh, challenges of peace and security in the region? And just to make it very clear, we have joined as a developed country. So we self-declared ourselves as a developed country, which I have my own opinion about why we did that. It seemed that our leadership at that time was, was very ambitious. Regardless of that, we had to basically commit ourselves to commitments of developed member, which Mm. differ from from a developing member of WTO. In my opinion, Moldova has only benefited from the fact that it became a part of WTO. So at a macro level, the WTO membership added more credibility to the government policies and sent a very clear signal to investors that Moldova is a part of a rules-based system. And therefore, it is committed to ensure an open, transparent investment climate within our nation. Adopting the multilateral framework of rules in the WTO rulebook, that can also help attract foreign investment and promote technological know-how. At the micro level, the small businesses. And Axel, in Moldova, we have about 97% of all businesses are micro, small, and medium enterprises. So the domestic businesses, they benefit also from the more transparent trade environment, but also it benefited because of the domestic reforms that we need to promote within the country. Reducing the red tape, promoting trade, reducing trade barriers, and also increases our competitiveness. 
Of course, opening the economy too fast can also damage the businesses, the small businesses, particularly in the country. So this has to be done in a very catalytical process. To be honest, uh, before we joined in 2001, uh, the process of accession was very long. It took us almost nine years and eight rounds of, of negotiations. I think that Moldova in 2001 and Moldova today has benefited particularly from WTO membership because we are able to trade based on mutually accepted rules. We are members of the TFA, of the Representation Agreement, the Government Procurement Agreement, which was very important agreement for our domestic way of public auctions, tenders, ensuring transparency, removing and reducing corruption. So this is very, very important. At the same time, Moldova is a landlocked country. We depend on transit routes, and we also are, in the context of the fourth industrial revolution, we are promoting electronic commerce, IT infrastructure. So e-commerce, I believe, is one of the biggest driving forces of Moldova's economy. And I strongly encourage WTO members to commit more and more and to create necessary rules for, for, for e-commerce. Thank you, Tudor. And I would like us to go back to the Eurasia region again. You acceded in 2001, and you also have a number of agreements with your neighbor. How do you see, in your view, those agreements have helped to foster peace and security in the region? Thank you, Axel. I am personally in favor of, of free trade. So uh, I believe that the more trade agreements are signed, the better for, the, for a country. Of course, it's important that they don't overlap and there is, they don't contradict each other. So Moldova, since becoming a member of WTO, we have signed various agreements, particularly in Eurasian region. So we have with the European Union, the association agreement and the deep and comprehensive free trade agreement. We also have the agreement on free trade with CIS countries, with the community of independent states. And we also have bilateral agreements with our neighbors, Ukraine and Romania, and with other countries as well. So from the agreements point of view, it seemed like everything should lay in our favor. And it, it did play because it provided a good market for Moldovan products to be exported on the Eurasian market, but also on the European Union market. And we don't think that, and I don't think that there is a contradiction. It, on the contrary, it's complementary. Moldova exports to the West and to the East. Unfortunately, we have seen situations, particularly on the application or on sanitary and phytosanitary conditions that various countries have misused, in my opinion, or misinterpreted the WTO rules when they big uh, market for products they basically create obstacles by, by not accepting import of crucial products, in this case, agricultural products, and the so-called trade ban bans have been created. And this happened to Moldova, and we had to renegotiate or urgently identify new export routes. Within Eurasia, I think it's very important to understand that today, yes, there are competing interests. At the same time, in my opinion, any regional agreement or bilateral, but I think it's more regional agreement, RTA, or plurilateral agreements that are being negotiated should not be discriminatory or should not be protecting this market to other countries that are exporting or transiting the country. So, for example, Moldova exports to Central Asia and it has to go to the so-called customs union. 
And in my opinion, there is a contradiction with the current trade agreement within the CIS. And in this case, the question is what you do. Of course, everybody in the ideal world focuses on multilateral trade agreements, which is the idea. Unfortunately, we don't see that uh, very often, and I hope to see that very soon for the next ministerial conference, perhaps, on fishery subsidies. But we have, or we are doomed today to work with plurilaterals or regional trade agreements for the lack of better situation. So agricultural situation with the SPS measures, that was one area. Another area is on energy, energy routes. You have the bilateral agreements on the energy supply, and Moldova particularly is a landlocked developing country, so it depends on energy supplies. When trade and commercial tools are used for political benefits, that's a problem. At the same time, the question is what you do. And do you need more agreements or more trades? I would not say so. I would say that we would need to go back to the original ideas and to, to try to discuss and to negotiate. Having said that, nobody can live in isolation. You have to be a part of certain regional formats. Eurasia still is a victim of its past in terms of national integrity, national identity, and also, well, the Black Sea and the coming more and more crucial area, not only in the military context, but also in the trade context, because it connects uh, different continents. So we are a part of this region. In my opinion, trade can help and should help ensuring a safety and security of these countries. Because on one hand, yes, Moldova has been a member of WTO, Ukraine has been a member of WTO, even Russia already has been a member of WTO. But the economic development is still stagnating or it's still at a very low pace. The poorer the country or the less economically developed the country is, the more vulnerable it is to external influences. Mm -hmm. So at this point, up until you become economically sustainable and sufficient, you need to fight based on the rules-based system. The question is, what happens when someone violates the rules? What do you do? What is the mechanism that you do? We have the dispute settlement system within WTO that has been blocked for a very long time. But in Eurasia, there is no such mechanism. Usually it's arbitration or it's mediation or it's bilateral consultations, negotiations. This is a challenge. Unfortunately, the status quo cannot be preserved, meaning that countries or smaller countries in the CIS or in Eurasia, they have to focus on their own domestic economic growth. I gave an example on energy and traditional oil and gas resources. Moldova doesn't have any natural resources to ensure its security and independence. So what we do now, we focus on the renewables, hydropower, solar power, and wind. But at this point, we are not ready from the regulatory perspective. We have to, to diversify. So it's also about the political leadership, because as a former minister, I can say that a lot of local developments depend on political leadership. Sometimes you're afraid to take reforms or to take bolder action because you're afraid of losing another election. I think that for these countries, it is now or never. They have to focus on economic development. They have to bring investors, but they also have to be very proactively internationally.
because if they are quiet or they're not professional enough to defend themselves, I think that, as I say, nobody can be more Moldovan than Moldovans themselves. So the question is, how do you keep the workforce in the country or how do you convince those who left to come back? And that's a big problem because at this point, I have not seen a sound national or regional vision or that would have been implemented in certain policies. So more and more countries will have to rely on foreign labor to ensure economic growth, which I think is not sustainable, might be a part of a solution as a temporary uh, solution, but I don't think it's something that, that will, be, will be enough. Of course, we saw that in Central, if I can just a couple of seconds, mm-hmm. we saw this in waves 30 years ago and even 20 years ago, workers from Central Europe were going to Western Europe. And now workers from Eastern Europe are migrating economically to Central and Western Europe. So we see these waves of economic migration. At the same time, besides economic reason for leaving the country, we have also security reasons or safety reasons. The military conflict right now in, in Ukraine, the protracted conflict in Transnistrian region of the Republic of Moldova creates this negativity towards safety and also the safety of your children and future generations. So people want enough money to sustain themselves and to be uh, to, to feel safe because geographically the countries are well positioned, but it's up to the leadership of the country I'm not making political campaign, but it's up to the political <laughs> country to come besides negotiating and ensure that they are protected within the con- regional context. Yeah, as someone who lives in post-conflict uh, country, I know all too well uh, what can trigger that exodus. And countries lose so much capacity when you have such insecurity. It's been an excellent discussion and, and thank you for all the insight. I'm, I'm sure this is a topic we can discuss for, for hours and hours. I too live in a post-conflict uh, country, Liberia, that went through similar conflict. And so, yes, it's very familiar, uh, the exodus capacity out of the country and uh, the, the struggle after that. And so thank you for all of the insights. Now, I would like us to switch it up a little bit and I would like us to do a rapid fire. This is our new segment that attempts to get to know you a little bit more and it's by popular demand. And so you have 10 seconds to respond to five questions and I promise that these will be direct and to the point. So here we go. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. What is your favorite Moldovan dish? My favorite dish from my country, Moldova, is called Mamaliga. It's a corn porridge, which can be combined with meat or vegetables. It's very energy-oriented, and it's a part of the best diets in the world. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, you heard it here. And then your, a book you recommend to read this year? I would recommend, well, one of my favorite books is David Allen, Getting Things Done, is how to organize yourself. But for this year, I would suggest people and I would encourage everyone to read the Sapiens or Sapiens book, which allows us to understand where we're coming from, where we are and where we are going. Fantastic. And your favorite sport? It has been, is and will be chess. I'm a chess master. I love chess since I was three years old. I think it's the best game in the world. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> so we mean we have to I have to get some lessons from you. Working from home or in office? 
While I like being with my family at home, I think when you say, when you speak about work, it should be office. You have to be in the work environment to be more productive. So I would say work, work in the office. And one thing you'd like to see happening in 2022? I would like to see my oldest daughter to win the Moldovan Tennis Championship. Ah, you have a tennis player in the family. <laughs> Yes, I do. I'll be watching. I played tennis for 30 years, so uh, oh. <laughs> an amazing sport. Yes. Well, thank you so much. We are now coming to the end of our podcast, and I often like to conclude with the final question. And so in one, just one word, what does trade for peace mean to you and why? I would say trade for peace to me in one word means safety, because when people are safe, they think about economic, about prosperity, about security, about peace. So this state of feeling safe, in my opinion, is the one word that describes the result and also the, the need to make sure that trade ensures peace and provides the safety for the global community. Thank you, Tudor. That was Ambassador Tudor Ulyanovsky, former Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Moldova. Tudor, thank you for joining us today on Trade for Peace. Thank you, Axel. It has been a pleasure talking to you. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode, Trade, Peace, and Security in Eurasia. Don't forget to follow us on our social media channels. We are present on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as Trade for Peace. I'm your host, Axel Addy. You have been listening to Trade for Peace, brought to you by the WTO's Trade for Peace program. You can be a part of the conversation by sharing your stories and your suggestions with us at tradeforpeace at wto.org. And you can also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Trade for Peace. Be sure to tune in every other week for new episodes. Thank you for listening to Trade for Peace. <laughs>